Um, at this time, we're going to get ready to play a video here regarding a ministry called Matthew 25, which is out in Cincinnati, Ohio. And as this video is playing, I want to invite those who are going to be presenting to come join me up here uh, while the video is going. So please watch the screen. The work of Matthew 25 Ministries began when my dad, Reverend Wendell Meddy, took his first trip to Nicaragua in 1990. Let's hear his recap of how that trip impacted his life. I went into a burns unit of a children's hospital. Uh, there were no mattresses, no sheets. Uh, the children were just being wrapped up in basically rags. They had no medicine. And uh, hearing those children cry and, and seeing the poverty and knowing that we were just two hours away by airplane, uh, I just said, you know, I want to do something. I want to help these people. After Reverend Meddy returned from that trip, he began organizing mission teams who would hand deliver suitcases of supplies to Nicaragua. This year is Matthew 25 Ministries' 30th anniversary. And through the tremendous support of so many, we have grown from carrying supplies and suitcases to Nicaragua to now shipping over 15 million pounds of aid each year, helping more than 20 million people in need. Each of those people has a face and a story, and the aid we're providing is truly changing their lives. Exactly. The people Matthew 25 helps are facing incredibly challenging situations, like recovering from a catastrophic disaster or living in extreme poverty. And we're able to provide basic necessities to help them in their time of need. And I think, even more importantly, we're able to provide hope in those dark times. The things I hear most often when meeting people Matthew 25 helps is thank you for caring for us. And as we celebrate Matthew 25's 30th anniversary, we continue to look ahead at how we can best serve those in need around the world. Since June of this year, Matthew 25 has responded to the Haiti earthquake, Hurricane Ida, Tropical Storm Henri, flooding in Tennessee, flooding in Kentucky, and wildfires in California, as well as continuing our COVID-19 relief efforts. You know, Karen, my heart goes out to all those suffering during this time. Many people have been affected by these disasters, and they have lost their homes, possessions, even loved ones. You know, but thankfully, with the amazing support of our donors and volunteers, Matthew 25 has been able to help both by shipping products to our partners throughout the affected area and providing relief services and aid directly to those impacted through our teams. The need is so widespread now, but I am so grateful that we're able to help. Yes, with your help, Matthew 25 is ready to continue reaching out and helping more and more people in need throughout the next 30 years and beyond. Your gifts make an incredible difference in so many people's lives. All right, so that video helps get a little bit of an idea of what Matthew 25 is and what they do. Um, their response is, if there's disaster, we want to bring the relief in. And to prepare for that, they've got teams that come in and sort and pack and do all of the things that are needed to prepare those items for the moment they get called out. And this team made a decision. They wanted to go and be a part of that in August. And so there's a couple team members not present here today, but um, I'm going to go ahead and just let them share. There's some photos, too. They'll be walking us through as they talk a little bit about their trip and uh, a little bit about Matthew 25. Are we on? 
Good morning, everyone. Did I get voted to be yes. the speaker? Please. All right. So we started out at 6 a.m. on our journey in the, uh, I don't need a script, huh? Okay. We started out at 6 a.m. on our journey, uh, myself and five uh, lovely young ladies in the church van, left here at 6 a.m., drove to Cincinnati, Ohio. It's a long trip but it was very uh, entertaining, shall we say, in the van. We, we arrived, checked in the hotel. The next day, we took our uh, uh, donations that you all had donated, and we dropped them off. We went back and started our work in the uh, warehouse across the street. Um, there was the medical building. So we had three nurses with us, so they put us in the medical building. So we sorted all kinds of medical supplies. Um, we, here, here we are uh, emptying uh, IV solution bags that they couldn't reuse, but they wanted to recycle. So we had to cut open the bags and dump the solution in these big tanks. Well, I, okay, I guess I didn't see that picture before. Um, so so it, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty, uh, physical morning, dumping all this fluid. There's Pat. Um, and so we, we, we did a good job. We had a couple of comments uh, fr from the staff, and, and this was a warehouse across the street that only had three or four people that work there. So they depend almost 100% on volunteers to do all this work. And you can imagine everything, here we go. Th those are... 30-pound bags of saline solution that she's carrying there, by the way. Um, there's Gail getting, getting them out of the boxes. So that was, that was probably the most physical part of our, our uh, day or two days of working. Uh, going through the boxes, getting through all those palletfuls, uh, we filled up an entire tank of, I don't know how many gallons that was, but it was a lot. It was a lot of gallons. So we filled that up. We also sorted, uh, I don't know what you call those, compression stockings uh, to match up, roll together, and I don't know how many hundreds or thousands, over a thousand of those that they did. I was the counter as the ladies were rolling them up. 800? 800, thank you. <clears throat> so... Then the second day, here we go starting out, well, that's compression socks that, that we filled the box up, as you can see. The second day, uh, I, we went back to the same warehouse and they had us sorting medical supplies. So we had to so sort uh, by date codes. If they were expired, they went into an expired box. If they had some expiration left, they went to a different box. Uh, as you can see, the size of the boxes then that we were filling up, we filled up, I don't know how many of those, do you remember? A lot. Uh, so those, those get filled with various medical supplies and then shipped off to different countries. So we filled up, I don't know how many of those. And then there's Ellie wrapping it, getting it uh, sealed and getting it ready to ship overseas. So we spent two days doing all this. There's Pat. Oh, we had to tip the box over to get everything out. That was uh, always a challenge. You dig in the box because the boxes are about this tall, and and uh, so it's, it was uh, it was fun. There we are. Uh, I think that was day two, picture as we were 
taking a break there. Everybody's having a water. They did uh, have a cafe there where we had lunch every day. Uh, really great food. Uh, there's empty pill bottles that we had to sort, and we didn't sort. We threw those away, right? The empty pill bottles. Uh, somebody else sorted those. Okay. Here's the cafe. We had a really good selection. Oh, there's somebody's lunch. Six dollars. I was told to say six dollar lunch. You, you got a great amount of food for six dollars. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Uh, everywhere were uh, Bible verses in all the buildings. Uh, this is the main building at where they had lunch for us. Um, because you came today, someone will be helped tomorrow. That was, that was really the theme of what we were doing there. There's the, oh, next, after two days of work, we went to the Ark, which is about uh, 70 miles away down in Kentucky. And we spent, there's the entrance, uh, the real meaning of the rainbow. Uh, we went to the entrance, the Ark, everybody here, my wife and I have been there twice now. Everybody here needs to go to Noah's Ark. It is life-size. It is empowering to see. You could spend the whole day there, I promise you. Um, and you learn a lot. We learned a lot about the Bible and Noah and what really happened uh, with that. So we're going to pass this for everybody to have a little say. So um, some people think that like the work would have been hard and like laboring, but um, in one of the pictures, Gail and I were just removing the expiration dates on some of the things, and um, the ark is a really fun experience. Hi, I'm Gail Christensen. My husband and I live in Humboldt, and we're not related to anybody in Humboldt, just so you know. We ask that question all the time. Okay, so going on a missions trip has been a dream of mine for years. I always wanted to go and do something, do something to help people. But I had a lot bigger ideas 30 years ago, like pounding nails and putting up walls and that kind of stuff. Um, I thought I would go on this trip but when I found out what we had to do, I was kind of like, really? You know, this is a mission strip, but it is a mission strip. It is missions, the first step. And someone takes it to the next level, and someone else takes it to the next level. But somebody's got to do this part. And it, the first day was kind of labor intensive for you and me, for sure, Mike. Um, but after that, it was okay. Something anybody can do. Um, yeah, and I just, I learned a lot, and I really got to know these guys well, and it was a great experience. Mike and I have never even been on a mission trip, let alone leading a mission trip. So for us, we had to rely a lot on the Lord to lead us, and I learned a lot, and um, I worked hard but I think we'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like putting you on the spot. And that's how I stay married for 44 years now. 
That was a great experience, a great team of ladies. Uh, God uh, directed us, and, and the whole mission trip went off flawlessly. Uh, we had great uh, friendship and, and great meals, and it was, it was a long drive. Uh, and uh, I guess fortunately I'm a little hard of hearing, so all five of the ladies in the back of the van, all I could hear was white noise, but it was great. It was great. Well, I want to say thank you um, first here to uh, Mike and Deb. You guys came to me kind of, I'd say, late spring, somewhere in there, and you had said, you know, this is a ministry I think we would want to connect with. We had we'd actually brought this ministry to the missions committee um, several years ago. The youth ministry went out to serve at this place, and so if you're like, man, I've heard of that before, that's because we've served there before. And um, so I've actually been able to participate in uh, working there, and you kind of go through a little bit of their training. You walk through their simulation thing. They, they take you through all these different scenarios of what would it be like if there was a flood or a tornado or a hurricane or an earthquake. And, and then they just basically from there, uh, they keep their hand on the pulse of all this stuff going on around the world, and they just get ready to send this stuff out. Uh, to those in need, whether it's actually shipping containers that will go overseas or it's containers that will get trucked somewhere uh, to be able to bring that aid to people. And so I was just very impressed with how well organized this ministry was and how they take these things and get them right uh, to the people in need. I remember one conversation. So if you've ever heard of Procter & Gamble, okay, so one of their headquarters is Cincinnati. And so something as simple as a typo on a label um, that went on a whole truck full of dish soap, they can't sell that. And so Procter & Gamble says, well, we'll send it on down to Matthew 25 because they can take that dish soap and they can get it to people who would use it and don't care what the spelling is. They just know they need soap. And so stuff like that's just coming in through their um, warehouse and um, just a range of things, whether they're recycling paint, you know, just taking all different colors of paint, pouring them into one barrel of one particular shade of color and then they send that barrel of paint overseas so people can uh, paint their homes and just things like that that are just outside the box. These are people that are thinking of ways to recycle um, and um, to, to get these things in the hands of people who need them. And so we brought it to the missions committee and it didn't really go anywhere initially. We just said at some point we'd like to maybe take a trip that's available to the entire congregation, not just the youth ministry. And I'd say it was maybe a year later that um, Deb came to me and said, you know what, I think Mike and I would like to, to go out there, and if there's anybody willing to join us, we, we'll, we'll go with them. And so that's what you see up here is just a response to the Lord tugging on your heart and saying, uh, I think we should do this. And so um, just so you know, because of the ways in which we see this ministry um, at work, and, and we want to continue to support this by sending another round of people. And so just stay tuned. We're going to look at uh, what that means next year uh, as far as uh, loading up the van uh, and heading on back out to Cincinnati to serve at this ministry. And so just stay tuned for that. If, if there's something about what was said today, 
that just uh, just sits in your heart and, and the Lord speaks to you to be involved, uh, there'll be an opportunity to head out there. If anybody on your own goes out to Cincinnati to see the ark, um, you know, and to be a part of that, I encourage you to just stop in at this ministry and just serve for one day, just to be able to get an experience of, of what it is that this ministry does. So just a note, if anybody's out there kind of on your own travel plans, your own logistics, stop in there, and I, I think you'll, you'll be blessed by doing so. I want to take a minute here to pray and just ask the Lord's blessing upon Matthew 25 Ministries as well as uh, a prayer over this team. So missing was Pat Bone and Judy Weller. That was the other two that kind of rounded out the team. So we're just going to pray over these individuals as well. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group of individuals that went out to Cincinnati to serve and and Lord, to help as, as there's a desire to, to reach people with uh, these resources that are desperately needed in these desperate situations. And Father, it's a desire to be your hands and feet and to serve the least of these uh, when we bring that kind of aid to them in their time of need. And so, as uh, Gail said, this is kind of the first step in getting that stuff put together so that they can go and make these deliveries. And so we thank you for the many volunteers there at Matthew 25 and those that continue to pour in to help. And thank you for this team as they made a decision to, to take time out of their schedule to go out and to serve here at this ministry. We ask a blessing on them as well. And Lord, as we prepare for another trip in 2024, we ask your grace and blessing on that and the logistics of that and the dates of that and and Lord, if there's anybody that would desire to be a part of that, I just pray that you would guide them and lead them on what that looks like for them. And we just thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Let's give them a hand. huh? If you have your Bibles, would you please go with me to Matthew 25. You know, it's not named Matthew 25 because the guy's name is Matthew or, you know, it was on the 25th day or what. It's, it's called Matthew 25 because of what it says in Matthew chapter 25. And so they've named their ministry uh, in connection to this passage. And I want to walk through this today. And specifically, it's going to be Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Okay, and before we uh, get rolling into this, I want to just help us understand what's going on here. Is Jesus is the one that is speaking uh, this parable that we're about to read. And in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, Jesus is giving what's called the Olivet Discourse. And it's called that because he's standing on the Mount of Olives and he's teaching these people, and there's questions they have about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen in the end, and when is your return coming? Because Jesus is very much coming back. He's going to return one day. The Bible's very clear about that. And Jesus began to unpack that in Matthew 24. And he said, here's the signs of my return. And, and we see a lot of these things going on in our world today. And then Jesus, when he gets done talking to them in, in what I would feel be clear language about the future, he then goes into three parables 
in Matthew 25. And I'm sure you've probably heard some of these parables, and I'll just kind of walk us through them before we read through the third parable. But the first parable Jesus gives in Matthew 25 is the parable of the ten bridesmaids or the ten virgins. And this whole parable... It's a connection to the spiritual truth of those who are going to get to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is the future for those who are in Christ. The Bible refers to Jesus as the bridegroom and refers to the church, those who have Jesus in their life, as the bride. And that when he comes to get us and to be with him forever, it's this picture of marriage. And when you look at this parable, there's these ten bridesmaids, and they're waiting for the groom and the party to come through, and they would join in and head off into the wedding celebration. And while they're waiting and waiting, only five had oil in their lamps that they had lit so they could see. The other five did not have oil in their lamps. And then when the party came through, those who had the oil in their lamps got to join the party, but those who did not were left behind. And then when they wanted to get into the party, they couldn't get in. And the spiritual truth to what Jesus was trying to say is that oil represents the Holy Spirit. And those who have the Holy Spirit in their life, they are saved. And one day they will get to be a part of this marriage celebration in heaven. And so that's the spiritual truth of that first parable. The spiritual truth is salvation. Okay? Just say this word with me. Inward. Inward. Salvation is something that happens inside of you. When the Holy Spirit leads you to a place in which you say, you know what, I realize I need Jesus in my life. The Bible is very clear that there is a sin curse and we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God and that separates us from God. But thanks be to God, he sent Jesus to this earth to die and pay the penalty and the price for our sin. And when he rose again, it proved that his payment was in full. It was perfect. It covered our sin. And we are invited to put our faith and trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. There's something that happens inward when it comes to salvation. And when you receive Jesus Christ in your life, the Bible says God deposits in you his Holy Spirit. And that is an inheritance. And he says that deposit, I'm coming back for that deposit. And so when Jesus returns, he's going to grab those and bring them along. It's those who have the Spirit in their life. So that's the first parable. The second parable is the parable of the talents. Perhaps you've heard of this one as well. There's a master who's going to leave for a while, and he gives his servants some talents. And talents was a form of money, not like, you know, I can spin a basketball on my fingers, you know. It was like, I'm going to give you some resources, and while I leave, take care of these resources. And then the master returns, and two of those servants actually doubled the amount of resources that were given to them. But one of them went out and buried that resource. He didn't put it to work. And the spiritual truth with this one is stewardship. Everybody say with me the word upward. Upward. Did you know the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's? And everything in it. 
and that everything that you have, it's not something you own, it is something that you steward. That's spiritual truth right there. And so everything we have is a gift given to us by God, and he's asking us to steward these resources. Your bank account might have your name on it, but guess what? It belongs to the Lord. What are you doing with these resources? And so to those that got to work with those resources, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little, and now I'm going to put you in charge of even more. And that's a picture when Jesus comes to judge we're going to be judged for the things that we have done in our bodies. And that will be weighed and determining what you're going to be doing in the kingdom of God. You know, it's not just like we float around on clouds or we sing unending songs, right? That's, that's a part of our experience in heaven is we get to worship God and we get to experience him, and there won't be any sin, and all of that is gone, but he's going to set up his kingdom, and we are going to get to be a part of it. We're going to be interacting. We're going to be serving. This is what the Bible talks about, and whatever you've done with the resources and the things that God has given you here on earth will determine what it is you'll be doing in heaven, and so there's stewardship we are to look at here while we're on this earth. It's upward. It belongs to God. How are we stewarding his resources? So inward, upward, and now this parable. This parable, I believe, the 31 through 46 is the sheep and goats, and I think it spells out our service. So the first parable is about salvation. The second parable was about stewardship, and this last parable is about service. It's kind of like ministry being defined for us. What does it look like to truly minister to people? We're about to get that from Jesus himself in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. If you could, say with me the word outward. Outward. So inward, there's salvation that takes place. Upward, we recognize that all the resources I have are actually the Lord's, and I'm to steward those. And then there's the outward. What am I doing with my life? as far as serving other people. So Matthew 25, before we read verse 31, I want to pray and just ask the Lord's blessing because this is his word. He speaks to us through his word. I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless this time. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this time as we look at your heartbeat for humanity and what your heartbeat is for those who are in Christ, the things you desire for us to do. These are very clear words, and I pray, Lord, we would take them seriously. Would you search our hearts, speak to our hearts, guide us and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 25, starting here in verse 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, there you see very clear, Jesus is returning. And I'm making this up. This is Jesus' words from the Bible. He's like, when I come back. Here's what it's going to be like. It says, and the angels are going to be with him, and he'll sit upon his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
and he will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or or when were you naked and we gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? In verse 40, it says, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. That's words from Jesus, and that is spiritual truths about what it is that's going to come in our future. Okay, There's a few different interpretations to this passage when it comes to the timing of this. Most would place this judgment right before the millennial reign of Christ, when he comes back down to this earth and he reigns for a thousand years. Years. Now, if you remember when we went through the Daniel series, I talked a lot about that stuff. And if you're like millennial reign, just go back to the last two messages of the book of Daniel and that'll catch you up. But most would place this judgment right before Jesus reigns here on this earth for a thousand years. And some would see that uh, the response of these people uh, to helping those that would be the least of these, some would look at the least of these as just people in general who are in need, whether they're hungry or they are thirsty or they need clothes or, or whatever the case might be, but just saying people in general that are in that kind of circumstance. And in my study, I thought this was interesting that there's even people who look at this passage, and since Jesus is talking about a time in the future, right after the tribulation and right before the millennial reign of Christ, he's actually talking about the Jewish people, and that the least of these would be those who are believers in Christ that are of Jewish background. I found that rather interesting to see that interpretation. And it got me thinking, if that's the case, if the least of these is how we treat the Jewish people, then right now we're on a bit of a test, aren't we? 
and you look around the world and you see the hatred of Israel and the Jewish people, there's a lot of goats. Where's the sheep? Where are the people who are saying, I'm going to come to help? So regardless of your interpretation, whether it's to to people in general or it's to the Jewish people, I do think we see God's heartbeat for how it is that we should be serving. The least of these, there's a variety of categories, whether they're hungry, thirsty, whether they're needing clothes, whether they're a stranger in need, invited in, or they're, uh, you know, sick or in prison. These are people who have needs. And I just want to walk us through some things here. One thing to point out is that when it comes to all of these people who are in need, what you see here is people who probably aren't able to return the favor. And I think we live in a culture and sometimes we can get a mindset that you know, I, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And at the time Jesus would have shared this parable, there was actually a bit of a, a phrase or a, a word that would be used to sort of represent that mentality. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. And the word was called liberalitas. And I know I've talked about that before. Okay, But, I mean, emperors would even print that word on coins, and then when they would become uh, emperor, they'd get into power, they'd have a parade, and they'd throw these coins out, and their faces on it, and then the word liberalitas. Like, look, I'm scratching your back right now, but you know what this means. You need to return the favor. So, but Jesus comes, and he completely shifts that upside down. And he says, no, we're going to love people who can't necessarily return the favor. And that mindset of loving those who are less fortunate, that's the essence of the gospel. I mean, are we truly able to repay God back for what he's done for us? No. He's saved us from our sin, from an eternity in hell. And so our response to the gospel is, I'm going to freely give because he has given to me. So Jesus flips that whole liberalitas upside down. You look at these parables, the bridesmaids, the talents, and now the sheep and goats, the inward, upward, outward. I want to just touch on a spiritual truth here. The outward evidence demonstrates what's going on on the inside of someone. Be careful not to read this in a way where you think, well, if I just do a bunch of good things, then maybe God will let me go to heaven. Okay? That's not at all what Jesus is trying to say here, and that's not at all what we preach and teach here at Faith. The Bible is very clear in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that we are saved by grace through faith, and that is a gift that comes from God, and it's not by works so that nobody can boast about it. So it's not this like, if I just you know, do a little bit more, if I help those in, in need, if I go to Matthew 25 ministries and just give them a whole year of my life, maybe God will let me into heaven. That is not how the gospel works. 
And so understand that that is not what Jesus is saying here. The truth is that works do not provide eternal life. They prove it. It's an evidence thing. I can tell that you're somebody who Jesus has touched and your life has been transformed because the outflow is that you're going to be someone who's doing these things. Kind of a funny little illustration that I thought of. I don't know why this came to my mind through the preparation of this, but I trust the Lord's going to use this. I grew up without a dishwasher, like the machine. Okay? Yeah, you know, we empathize with each other. A lot of evenings, family dishes and stuff like that. And um, being the youngest of the family, they all head off and now I'm the only one stuck doing dishes. So thank you for that. But I grew up doing dishes, not a dishwasher, but washing them by hand. How many of you are with me in that? Or were you spoiled and you had the dish? Okay, thank you. I'm speaking some people's language right now. Okay? One of my first experiences with the dishwasher is I grabbed dish soap and I filled up the spot where there's supposed to be some detergent. And some of you were like, oh, man. And I shut that thing and turned it on and walked away. Like, how cool is that? This thing does it for you. Only to come back in the kitchen and there's like bubbles foaming out of this thing. And I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to use dishwasher detergent or dish soap. That seems like a really goofy illustration, but the point is what was coming out of that dishwasher was what I had put inside. And so when it comes to the spiritual application of this, Jesus is saying, what I've put in you, which is me and the Holy Spirit, there's going to be evidence of that. And one of the ways we're going to see that evidence is you are actually serving and helping the least of these. You're going to have a heart for those kinds of people. People who will never be able to pay you back. Do we have that kind of compassion? And if you're like, no, the Lord's not moving the needle on that for me, well, guess what? I would start to question whether or not God's truly transformed your life. This is an outward evidence of what God has done in our life. And so the challenge for us today is has God truly impacted us in a way where we've received him into our life? It's not about religion. It's about a relationship and being born again. And, and God touches your life and you're a new person. And I thought of this verse this morning too. We can do all kinds of, I'd say, good things. But if we're not saved, we will still miss out on heaven. And I thought of Jesus' words in John 15 where he says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Until we get into a relationship with Jesus, then the eternal weighty matters of life, we start to participate in those when we're in Christ. And it's interesting is that word prepare a lot of you prepared food this week for Thanksgiving. You prepared your house. You threw everything into a room you hoped nobody would go into. <laughs> but you had preparation. Preparation. I looked that word preparation up, and the definition of that is making ready or being made ready for use. 
Now look at verse 34. Matthew 25, 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. What a neat thing to think that God is preparing a place for those who are in Christ. And Jesus said in John 14, I'm going away so that I can prepare a place for you. So God has prepared a place for those who are his sheep. And what a comfort that is, but we're also challenged by this verse. I read to you, or I quoted to you, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If you go one more verse, it says this. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Being made ready for use. God has prepared us for this kind of service. The title of this message is Saved to Serve. We're redeemed by Jesus to then get to work. And God has prepared in advance for us things to do in his kingdom. What's interesting here, too, is both types of individuals, whether it's sheep or goats, verses 37 through 39 and verse 44, both are unaware that they were serving Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And what that tells me is it reveals the genuineness of their heart. Think of that. I mean... If you have a boss and they sat next to you while you did your work, would you be a little more productive? Right? And then the boss goes away on vacation. Are you still working with that same diligence? Hey, think of that. They had no idea that they were serving Jesus when they were serving these people. There wasn't some padded motive here. It's because God transformed their life and gave them a heart for people. Do you have a heart for people? Folks, we're entering a month where during the holidays, there are a ton of ways in which you can be a blessing to those around you. And so my challenge to us as a church is consider who the least of these are that you know that you're connected with. How can you be a blessing from here through the rest of the year to say, God, I want to be used in a way that is pleasing to you? And then I'll just challenge you with one more thing. Don't stop once Christmas has come and gone. This is a way of life for those who are in Christ. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of these words and what they mean for us as followers of Christ. It's important that each and every person that is listening to my voice has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Just in that passage I referenced where it talks about how you're preparing a place for those who are in Christ 
you also say that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. It also says in the book of Acts that there is no other name by which we would be saved than that of Jesus Christ. If there's anyone listening right now and you consider your life and you think about your relationship with God, have you received Jesus as your Savior? And if you can't answer that with a yes, I just want you to know that God desires a relationship with you. And he sent the answer for the issue of sin that separates us from God. And you can receive Christ today. You can receive the forgiveness of your sin. And God will completely transform your life. And he'll give you a new heart. Someone needs to hear this right now. He'll give you a fresh start. It's possible there's someone listening right now that you've got a whole past of things. I want you to know that God right now is saying, I want to forgive you of all of that. If you desire to receive Christ today, I want you to pray with me in your heart and just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I'm asking for this gift of salvation. Please forgive me of my sin. And I receive you today by grace through faith. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. And for all of us listening, help us to respond to the gospel by serving in the kingdom of God. There are many ways to get involved, and I pray that your spirit would give us the eyes to see the things you want us to do and to especially lean in to those that you considered the least of these. Father, we ask for your grace here today. We thank you in Jesus' name.